0: Hello, cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 252 of Cyclocross Radio. On today's show, we are catching up with the curse period. We're going from Loenhout all the way up to Herentals and every race in between. We got a lot to cover. I'm in Belgium. The other guys are in central time, so uh, Michael and Zach were kind enough to schedule a before-work record, so we wanted to make sure we got it all in there, and we did, and one programming note, or production note, I guess this is a production note, about 10 minutes left in the episode. Uh, My my microphone stopped working, so my audio will abruptly change to the Zoom call, and it'll sound a little weird, but it's a good cue. You'd go that, get to that, and you know, hey, 10 minutes left. All right. Uh, We also have a new sponsor at the Wide Angle Podium, and that is Endura. Now, Endura, you may have heard the name. They make some of the best cycling kit out there super comfortable, super durable. And here's the thing. It's like it's great to ride in, it's great for harsh weather. I wear all my Endura stuff when I'm working at races as a photographer. Spent the last week here in Belgium and the Netherlands covering three races. I had my Endura rain pants on the whole time, even when it's not raining because I'm usually kneeling down, usually lying on the ground and uh, it's it's full protection and just holds up well, no problems there, super lightweight. Also wearing my Endura rain jacket, same way, looks just as good off the bike as on the bike. So no matter what type of riding you do or even photographing, uh, Endura has you covered. CX, gravel, mountain bike, or road, they have apparel and accessories for every rider. And if you visit EnduraSport.com... To see all of their latest winter ranges, you can use the code WIDEANGLE20 for 20% off your next order. That's WIDEANGLE with the numbers 2, number 0 for 20% off your next order. Check it out, EnduraSport.com. All right, we are covering the curse period. It's early in the morning for some, midday for others. We got Michael and Zach. It's episode 252 of Cyclocross Radio, and we're doing all of that right now. We are back in the media pit, live from two continents. We got a lot to discuss. I don't even know. We got like the whole curse period. So I I know personally we have Holst... Hullaham and Halls to talk about but then I, I guess there are like a ton of other races that we're gonna have to squeeze in here but before we get to any of that Michael
1: how's it going Bill um it's early first of all so I'm tired uh but I have some bad news for my fans um breaking today so I will not be at the Fayetteville World Championships podcast recording. Uh, road season's coming up, so I need to skip that show and go on Criterium Nation to get ready for the season down the road. So you'll have to do it without me. i
0: i i i appreciate the setup i was waiting for the payoff i i think we got there zach you have anything you need to announce
2: no i'm back i'm back <laughs> i guess
3: i guess you guys did this
2: without me i mean i hope things didn't fall apart i'm assuming it went well uh seemed like people were really elizabeth got really positive reviews she always brings great knowledge uh to the show so but i'm back so that's good it was uh as always, I guess we can do Zach's mom report. She was like, so I noticed you weren't on the last podcast. And I was like, that is a true <laughs> statement. She's like, when are you coming back? And I'm like, oh, don't worry, I'll be back next
1: week. So I think we're good. We're good. Did we talk about that I got to meet your lovely parents? Oh, you did. That's right. Yeah. And we uh, they bought me a taco pizza in Chicago. <laughs> it was great. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. That was
2: kind of uh, definitely interesting. Your, your, your take on... Uh, Chicago style pizza. <laughs> Although like a flat crispy taco pizza. But anyway, yeah. 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 Anyway, we're not here to talk pizza. We've got a lot to cover. Uh what? where are we starting, guys? I I I don't know
0: what where did we leave off? We left off before ball, right? We didn't even get to ball. Is that correct or am I just lost? No, I think
1: I, I think that's correct. I think you guys covered Did you cover loan help? No. No. We did Zender we did uh, Dendermond and Zolder. Um, so we got Low and Halt all the way to yesterday's Arentals, but I think before that we gotta get to the big news. The big news that dropped yesterday. I'm making the joke. Wouts is out. Not coming to worlds. Big day for the Lars fans. Big day for the Lars fans.
2: Interesting. Any any uh any rebuttal to that, Zach? I'm on Team Lars. I mean, you guys don't look. I I I have a lot of thoughts about this. I mean, if we're going to talk about Lars, yeah, I'm all for. You know what? I would love to see just the hilarity of the awesomeness of it to see Lars consolidate the jerseys. Right? We have Dutch nationals this weekend. So the other news, no Vanderpool. We'll get to that in a in a sec. Uh, I would love to see Lars consolidate the jerseys, win that Dutch Nationals jersey. He's got that Euros jersey. And, you know, to to then get the world's jersey, I would love to see him uh, consolidate them. But here's my thing. So we've talked about Ailey Ezerbeet, and he locked up the World Cup overall, I think at Holst, uh, celebrating finishing second. Always very interesting to celebrate <laughs> losing to your arch rival. Interesting choice on his part. Uh, but and And you know what? I think we're seeing the future, though, right? Like that maybe he'll shift his plans, but it seems like his plan to go all in on the world cup. And clearly we're seeing where Ailey is just not consistently showing that good form. Now, did he screw it up? I mean, this was his opportunity. Uh, And, you know, and I'll ask you guys this, but it comes down to this, right? Like there's money and then there's legacy. And I guess, you know, which matters more. And to me, I guess in this wow decision, uh, how are you guys feeling about that? I mean, I feel like, right. Like, a fourth cyclocross championship, maybe a fifth next year, maybe a sixth the year after that, or, Hey, I won Omloop and made some money. Like, I don't know. I, I just an interesting choice. Uh, but I guess it's kind of showing the directions he's going with his career.
0: Well, it's also, it's, it's the, it's the type of thing that I think we, we talk about sometimes where, you see it especially with what we would consider big losses, where it affects the fans. It, expe- it affects the people outside of the tape more than it affects the people inside the tape. Like they're like, yeah, whatever, lost that one, on to the next one. And I think we do the same thing with legacy building. We do the same thing. You know, there are definitely riders out there that that's very important to, but I think there are also other riders who are always looking for the next challenge. And Wout and his team had the challenge set in front of him and that those challenges are happening on the road. And really nobody envisioned that he would come into cyclocross and just be unstoppable. I mean, that, that I don't think that was in anybody's cards. I mean, it was great, you know, it was great for him. And it was probably, I don't know if it was, I guess it was fun. It was seemed kind of boring for him at points as well, but I don't think that just that he, it's not like he's never won it before so it's not like oh this is my opportunity this is my chance let me jump in there and get that get that fourth jersey three three is a nice number so who knows if he'll come back in the future but i i i don't I, I don't see that as like that huge of a deal and necessarily just chasing money necessarily i think that while it's fine with money i think it's more just other challenges lay ahead that may not be in cyclocross and if if we're talking about you know you guys on the Lars train i think the 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 name that hasn't been mentioned here would be tom pitcock who other than wow is like all right, I'm gonna get myself in trouble. I I I am hesitating because I was gonna say he's heads and shoulders above the rest Whoa. of the competition. And I'm thinking Tom Pitcock, and I can't really say that he's he's the next best guy out there other than Wow, and and you know clearly so I, I think Tone Tone did a good job chasing him in Herentals, uh, but I I don't yeah I I don't know, and maybe you know we can talk. We have a couple weeks to talk about what Fayetteville is going to bring and especially what we saw in Fayetteville before. And, you know, that may not play in Pitcock's favor if it's wet and heavy and has those Dendermonda type conditions that we know he doesn't excel at. But all of that aside, if you're just
1: lining everyone up right now, I think Pitcock is your favorite. So speaking to go back to, to Wow and his, you know, I feel like, obviously, as a fan of the sport and you know, a fan of Wout going to Worlds, I want to see, I want to see Wout win the fourth. I'm invested in that rivalry with Met Vanderpool. That maybe, like you said, Bill, he's not as invested in, or like you said, he's got three, he's done it. What's next on the list? Um, it is interesting though because of Vanderpool's injuries. I assume that Vanderpool is also not gonna. I mean, he might be at Flanders in Roubaix but he's probably not going to be 100%, and that just makes those targets much easier for Wout to attain. So it's almost like, ooh, Vanderpool's out. Yeah, okay, world is the easy, um, you know, lowest fruit on the tree, but let me kind of get some of those other targets that I have, uh, which is is Flanders and Roubaix. And I know that he, you know, Omloop is sort of the event, the race that sort of is conflicting with worlds not the same date but it's about the training and sort of like i don't I mean i don't know so that Omloop is his goal to win but Omlu is like a stepping stone to getting ready for fighters and roubaix so yeah i mean like i said fan bummed to see it um i think i i really <laughs> i had a, i had a bunch of like really good chips from louisiana i was gonna bring to him but you know what? you're you're lost wow you don't get the louisiana snacks One other thing I think
0: that's worth noting in, in this decision, I think, plays into a lot of the decisions we're going to see coming up. Just being here in Belgium now, talking to some of the other media, European media folks, A, they all are just assuming that world is going to be canceled. And I keep telling them, you guys don't understand Arkansas. Worlds is not going to be canceled. You're going. And but they they still they hmm. don't believe me. They all just assume it's going to be canceled. Like they're not even worried about it. B Our situation in the US I think comes into play for some of these European riders. I don't think wow, you know, not even risking getting injured while racing, the travel's going to you know is <laughs> Yeah, I know we joke about it that the Americans have to travel all the time, but this is a big, big travel block. If he's going to go to Worlds, that's going to take away from that training that he's going to have to recover from. Plus, there is an increased chance of him getting sick while he's over here. Yeah, I mean, it's just there's just so much. It's so much easier for him to isolate and protect himself while at home while training than it is traveling. To the other side of the world, racing a world, racing in a place uh, that may not be taking restrictions uh, at the same level as they are in, where he is now. So I, I think that 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 has a a big, you know, if this was like Namor worlds, maybe maybe the decision making is different.
2: Yeah, I was thinking about that too. Like if it was in Belgium or the Netherlands or something, and the travel was easier. I mean, it, the decision The decision makes sense. I think uh, we were joking about this on Twitter, though, uh, Michael and I, that, I mean, frankly, like, uh, he could, He could. A, he could just get, like, the Waltons to charter him a flight, you know? It would be, like, a three-day <laughs> disruption. He flies in, he gets in Saturday, does a little pre-ride, you know, goes and races, even jet lags, probably wins, and then flies back, you know? He could be back in Girona. He could be back to Girona on Tuesday, racing, you know, at the uh, the team camp, you know, or, like, I mean, yeah, I, I feel like the form he's on, he could even like train through it and just show up and make it like one of his days of racing. And maybe that would have been the case had it been, you know, in Belgium if he, he chose to do that. But uh, yeah, I mean, it seems like I, I think we're just going to see more of this. I mean, you know, I said it in my post in the bulletin. I think this is a big opportunity. I don't know how many that Pitcock is going to get. How many opportunities is Pitcock going to get to win a world championship before he's on the the full on road program. And, you know, with Vanderpool, I mean, you know, Bill talking about challenges, like what's the point in him racing cross anymore? If he's dealing with these injuries, is he ever going to race cyclocross again? I would say it's no better than 50, 50 with his back issues. Like, I don't know. I mean, he just, he looked awful. He looked like very mortal <laughs> and bad, uh, in those two races that he did. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if this is the beginning of, of things starting to shift. And yeah, we'll get to it. I, I just don't know that it's in <laughs> Pidcock's best interest with this Fayetteville course. I mean, we'll see what the conditions look like, but it doesn't necessarily seem like a Pidcock course vis-a-vis some of these other riders. Um, you know, and we didn't mention Quentin Ermonds either who won at Fayetteville. So um, we'll see what happens. I mean, it's a bummer, but I guess we've already established that it makes the men's race infinitely more interesting from a, a narrative and who's going to win standpoint. So I guess there's at least that part of it. Should we talk about some racing? Where to even begin? Should we just go backwards? Should we go backwards? Since oh, why do we always go back?
1: <laughs> Should we go forwards? Should we start Let's with ball? ball? Yeah, no, and well, how if we want. and okay. wow? Okay. wins. Boom, done. Okay. Who won the women's race? Brand? Great. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, GP Sven Nice. GP Sven Nice was a good one.
2: I mean, I yeah. think, I mean, I'm trying to think, a uh, host was good too, but I think GP uh, Sven was really. Uh, a banger uh michael you were on it prime time i don't know it's hard to say because <laughs> of what happened at Harringtons, and she didn't race at holst but i don't know a little bit of the uh the backwatch getting activated for 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 prime time
1: right yeah no i mean like you just saw her return to form Um, what I saw was just like snappiness, just able to answer Brand's attacks, especially on the flats, right? Brand's going to attack and start, finish the flat parts, put the power down. Alvarado was there, you know, answering that. I mean, it was, it was good to see. And you said, yeah, uh, what yesterday she had a mechanical and had to run and then Holst, she, uh, just DNF. But so, yeah, I, I don't really know what's going on there, but it was nice. I mean, she, what, two-time winner of that race, um, had some good battles with brand before there, I believe, like, especially on that last climb. Um, so yeah, it was a pleasure to watch. Yeah, I think she won last year. I may mean,
2: remember it was one of the first, uh, things that I wrote for the bulletin was, uh, her in the woods. I think she had kind of won the race there. So, um, uh, but yeah, it was, And and even in that last lap, you know, we saw Brand, uh, we've just established that Brand likes to lead from the front, but Alvarado like took over the lead from her. She's like, I'm not going to let you do Lucinda Brand things and made her work for it. But uh, ultimately it came down to like, I don't know if block, I I said this, I don't know if block or charge is really the best analogy here, but I'm thinking the old football pick play, you know, you put line up two receivers on the left and one just kind of takes three steps and stops and the other one just kind of like goes around Uh, And what, of course, I'm talking about here is the 80% rule and that really last climb. I mean, Brand went into it with a small lead. It was clear she was waiting for that last running section to kind of turn on the afterburners, but... uh I watched – I've watched it a couple times and I think it definitely affected the outcome of the race. Like I think some people have said that there was no no pick play involved. But Alvarado, I was actually surprised – I mean it's an American woman. I'm surprised. I was thinking about what I would do in that situation. I literally would have shoved her to the ground and been like get out of my way. And I guess respect to, to Alvarado. She was in the way. Like you can't do that. Like – it was clear what was going on and like there's a person st- literally just like standing in front of you and you're about to lose the race. Um so that was that was kind of my thoughts and I've watched it a few times and I guess some people were saying, "Oh, she got out of the way." Uh but uh, she was in the way before she got out of the way for sure.
0: I I think it's a really tough position to be in for for both of those riders. I'm 100% sure that Bridget was not doing anything purposefully or uh, of course, but also if it it knew in her head and heart that she was supposed to get out of the way, but it's one of those things that you're just like kind of freaking out and you're like, what do I do? What am I supposed to do? I mean, I I haven't talked to her. I, I don't want to put words into her mouth, but it's, it's like, it's, it's just a crappy situation to be in. And it's one of those situations that we've, we've seen all year and even at Arentals yesterday they did a much better job and the way the course was set up to get to the back half with all the fun stuff you basically had to walk the the thing that i'm noticing about these courses here now that there aren't any spectators is that they just like well there aren't any spectators so we don't have to like even worry about how people are going to get around so there's like impossible to get around unless you're <laughs> just like running down the course to hop from section to section so you're going down almost the the, the you're, you're, you're i saw the 80 percent people a lot because that was the easiest way to get to the back section and like with the men's race i mean i think even kerry warner got to you know leave the race two laps early and uh, the same with the women's side, you know, so some, some people who aren't like super slow, but the, the leaders were just so fast. I think they were making more of a concerted effort to pull people because, and I think it took something like that Alvarado incident for, for them maybe to say, Hey, we, maybe we should pay more attention. Yeah. And, but again, maybe not, because we've seen in the past where there have been groups of women in that race, and they just don't seem to give a
1: shit to clear out the course for the leaders, which is
0: really unfortunate.
1: What do you guys think about multiple points where they pull the riders out? I heard people on uh, Twitter talk about pulling out at the pit as well as you know they do before the start, finish, and then the pit. I mean, is that like is that a good option? It seems like the.
2: I mean, it seems like it on paper, but the communication that has to occur. I mean, remember, you have you don't have like officials with like race radios and stuff. Mm. I mean, I think and they could they could adopt like they could all wear Bluetooth or something and there could be a communication challenge to be like. But usually it's one official who's kind of writing down who's been pulled. Uh, at least I know that's how it is for like here in the US. I mean, it might be a little bit different because it is, you know, the UCI races and uh, a little bit more high tech, but it's pretty low tech. Like there's no yeah no it's the, it's the exact same it's a guy, it's it's a, it's a official with a
0: clipboard and a stopwatch and that's that's exactly the way that. We've seen it done for years. It's still done that way. What if they, uh, what if they implemented like a, um, like a Chili's? You know, you pick up your little when you're when this thing buzzes, your table's
1: ready. Oh yeah, to, transmitter. Like missing out on the track. Yeah,
0: and then so you sort of put that on there because they already got you know like the the timing chip. So you put that on there, and once your uh once your reservation's ready and you start buzzing, you know, you just got to get over to the side of the court because
2: uh you've been eighty percented. I like it. I mean, I've been in this situation before. I've been in a P123 race and gotten lapped and I knew I was getting lapped and I knew that my race was garbage. And I have just made, I've gone, I've gone out of the way. Uh, And I guess Ryan Kelly uh, had written something a while ago on how to get lapped like a pro, which was a humorous take. But I just kind of wonder if part of it too is, these are a lot of riders who have never gotten lapped out or aren't used to getting lapped out of races. Like, you know, you're 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 these riders. You're usually, you're at home. You're competing to win. Like you're not competing to get lapped. And I think that you know, there's that like, oh, I got to get my one more place. But for those of us who are used to the scrub zone, it's like, yeah, okay, I'll just get out of the way. Like I, we're done. Like I, I think that like a Tyler Cloutier would be a lot less likely to do something like this because he kind of knows the drill. You know, whereas these are people who are like, you know, a lot of these are young women young men who are competing and like that spot, they're like, they're trying to make it, man. And I just kind of wonder if that's part of it too, uh, some of that playing playing into it. But I, I've just noticed that the etiquette of getting out of the way is pretty pretty poor. Uh, you know, like even there's like a four second gap and it'd be like, oh, I'll just slot in. Like, no, if, if I'm in that situation, I'm like, these are the top two riders. I'm getting out of the way. Like, I don't want to deal with them in the parking lot after the race when they're like, dude, you screwed up everything. Um, and it just seems like Education fines? I don't know. Like you know, for like you blew it. You didn't get out of the way. I don't know what the answer is. But um, the only other thing is, Cycle Twenty Four actually did a really good. Spoke to my heart. He did a basic math analysis, and in these shorter races, like you know, you could be like really far behind. It, you like you could be going at a. You could not make the eighty percent rule, but be guaranteed to get lapped, and I think that's what we saw. And he just did it with the basic percentage. Like if you're fifty percent slower than the leaders, you know, yeah, you're at sixty six percent this lap, but you're gonna be getting lapped the next lap. And so I think like a sliding scale was one that he that they suggested. Like, you know, if you're fifty percent after two laps, you're out. (laughs) Then it goes to like sixty six percent, then like eighty or something like that, instead of just being strictly eighty percent.
0: How about you know, we're all we we spent the whole season talking about the F1ization of other sports ah, yes, and bringing yes. it into cyclocross. So just blue flags. We'll just uh, be blue flagging riders. And you know, once they see the blue flag, they have to get over and let let the traffic go through and then they can continue on. But if they don't, then they're fined.
1: Oh, well, that would that would answer that. So uh well how about how about this hot take before we go to the men's side? Um, you know, X2O is a time-based series. So you get bonus seconds, you get reductions off your GC GC time for as many people as you pass. So there you go. So they got you gotta keep the back markers in the course as a carrot for the riders to t- chase. Okay. Well then I would offer. Now let's move on. All right, let's just move on to the results. Yeah, so in the women's race we had Brand, Alvarado, Betsima. Continuing that Brandon Betsema show with the guest star, Celine. In the men's race, I'll just say the results, Wow, Pitcock, and Ellie. Um, but some of the, one of the big stories I'm thinking about here is, once again, shoes playing a big part of Belgian cyclocross.
2: I like you know what I like this because like uh, in my free time uh, I've been reading about the Battle of Gettysburg right now. One of the great myths of the Battle of Gettysburg <laughs> is that the Confederates uh, were going there for shoes. Hopefully they don't have boas on them. I don't I don't know if that same applies uh, back then. Uh, it is just a myth, but we've seen this a bunch, didn't we? See Quentin Airmonds? I think Quentin Ehrman's had a shoe mix quantical uh earlier and it seems like pretty common Every and yet year. yeah like shoes are just consistently made with boas like uh, can you find i mean you can find lace-ups but are there can you find mountain bike shoes that aren't like i mean the strap you can find straps The the, the low price point i uh, should we go more of, do we need more of an analog uh, yeah, shoe in digi- shoes in a digital age
0: yeah I, and th- those are the people are like oh go back to laces or go back to Velcro and I think people forget the Velcro <laughs> times like Velcro is not a is is not a solution. Velcro used to once mud and grass and everything got into Velcro, that used to come up as well and then it was tough to to reattach. so I don't think I I don't know i, I, I I'm sure there's other technology out there. supposedly Shimano has a newer model shoe. Where the boa is placed in uh, differently, so that it's not getting damaged if it's landed on top of. I don't. I don't know if that's true. I'm not a Shimano spokesperson, but if they want to hire me as one, I'd be happy to take that position. Uh, who knows? I don't know. I don't know if there's a better better solution out there.
2: My uh, it was would have been my third race ever. My first pair of shoes had the ratchet system. I don't know if you guys remember those, but I was racing at cities. You had, you had those cities. Everybody else did, yep. right? I, they must have been. So I was racing at the the track cup, the first one, cat four, little downhill. The cow crashes in front of me <laughs> like <laughs> dab. Like I went down and like busted the, the ratchet. on. so I rode the rest of the race with like a half off shoe because the cow crashed in front of me. And I was like way too, you know, to, I didn't have a shoe change. I mean, it was literally my third race ever so um it it happens it happens with all of them oh i remember having to i think you had to use like a, a small flathead screwdriver to actually like push down so you could ratchet up <laughs> you know, once they got damaged yeah so uh but what it did is it made things more intriguing it added some some intrigue to the race and uh, you know, I, I just, I guess maybe added, I don't know if it added to to Van Aert's like l- lore of Van Aert, but it showed just how strong he is because he fell back like he was good 15 seconds back and he just very methodically just worked forward like he had everything under control, caught Pidcock and I, I think he knew this is one of the situations where the riders kind of knew where they're better and he just knew he was killing it on the climbs and. Once he made contact with Pickock, he's just like, Yeah, I'm just gonna drop you now. Um, but also he's running great. Bill, you you posted on Twitter there was that where he he wrote he ran the the mud pit quicker than other riders were riding it.
0: <laughs> That's I, I'd love I'd love to see what his what his mile time is or even his four hundred or hundred. wow has I think gained impressive speed on the run he was never a slow runner but i think that he's he may be top of class out there now for running which which just isn't fair when he's also you know peeking out on on
1: on skills and also watts it's just it's just nuts i mean, just talk about full package so uh pidcock and wow need to have a little 5k runoff oh right yeah because cause,
0: wow because Pitcock's world class. Right. We
1: know that from last year. Yeah. So, yeah, where were you we at? Pitcock at Dendermonda, huh? Where's your running skills? Um, two quick cool things before we move on because we have a lot of races. Tebow Nye's nice, back, been winning some races. He wins the U23 race. Um, Catherine Sarkazov, second place in the junior women's race. Bill, the CX Harris Devo squad, awesome to see. And then, you know, some, some rider who has almost the best winning percentage all season, David Haverdings winning the juniors race. I think he's only lost one race and then finished ninth, another race, and then he's won everything else. So just excited to see that guy kind of come up to the elite level. Haberdings is a
0: shredder and that's, that's where he is able to out. It to, to win a lot of these races i mean strong rider that's it just goes without saying all these guys are strong riders but his technical skills especially we saw it in Herentals as well you know there were guys hesitating on those descents, and he was just sending it every time just just getting rowdy and uh you could see him i think at one time at the top of the hill with like a second gap and by the bottom was like three seconds is uh I, i think that's it's it's fun i love i love seeing seeing the skilled riders who can come in there sometimes cyclocross gets the gets gets um it's sort of like mountain biking, that's like uh, roadies, roadies and uh, spandex and knobby tires type thing, <laughs> where yeah. all they do is just go fast. But it's so it's it's fun to, to
2: to get these guys with like truly cool skills, and I think he's one of them. But yeah, maybe we can talk about this more like next week after the nationals that we probably can't watch. But there have been, I mean, I haven't done the numbers, but this may be the most successful North American and Canadian junior like campaign in Europe ever. I mean, you've got both home grins the. Ava, and then I'm going to forget the name of her sister. Isabella. Both Holmgren's from Canada. You have Jack Spranger, uh, American Jr. You have Frank O'Reilly Jr., American Jr. of Catherine Sarkisov. Like these juniors are, it's exciting. And I don't know. And even. You got Funston and uh, Strohmeyer both uh, with some top tens in there as
0: well and the really strong U
2: twenty three field. Yeah, so maybe we can when the when the dust when the mud settles we can we can treat this a little bit more in depth as we get our bearings about us and don't have a million races to talk about. But definitely exciting to see the success that the the young North American riders are having because I, I don't necessarily know that we see that uh, every year. So um, but yeah, so going into Holst. We had two, two winning streaks going on. So we had the Wout winning streak. He was at seven in a row. And Lucinda Brand was going for a perfect curse period. Uh, rarely happens. Uh, bulletin readers know about this. But the only other riders really to do it in recent memory have been uh, Vanderpool. Did it twice. He won six races in eight days uh, one of those times. And Mariana Voss. I think she won like five and ten maybe uh, in 2011-12, I want to say. Um, so pretty rare air. Even Sven couldn't pull it off. I went back and looked and I think he had almost did it one year, but he had uh, second place in one of the races. So yeah, it would have been more impressive had Degum not gotten canceled. She won that. But two two winning streaks on the line going into
1: World Cup Pulse to close out Curse period. Uh, we're extending
2: it by a day. Sure. Why
1: not? Right. I mean, just quickly, what were you considering curse period for your stats research? Uh, I was considering everything after Christmas. Uh, Namur is okay. just
2: like it's hard. like if Namur is a week before, it, like this year, it was hard to consider that part of curse period. If it's on like the 23rd, then yeah, that's curse period. But I just said everything. It, so it was more the compactness of the, the schedule, the compactness
0: curse period is like figuring out what neighborhood you live in and in, in certain cities where people fight over where which, which street you know one neighborhood ends and another one begins
1: uh, so you're saying yeah. you're saying that like sort of the property value of your win is is bigger if it's actually in the curse period so some races are trying to lump themselves <laughs> right in, right moving the That's line exactly right well and then
2: there's been like there's been kind of like some cut rate c2s that no one races that have been in there like like a, a Bredane I think just jumps in there and is like hey we're 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 just gonna put ourselves on the schedule and it's like you're a c2 that no one's racing and then there there was like uh nicholas was kind of curse period adjacent and they're like our name is literally named after santa claus like come on guys like we've got to be part of curse period it's it's so for this analysis i went more for the compactness it was like the number of wins in a very compact period of time
1: i'll just i want to say that like so i've had family in town for the holidays starting the 21st of December. Literally, they pulled away as we started recording. I can now consider this the curse period because, like, this was all... This literally was, like, the holiday season. I had family around. The decorations are up. And, like, all the cross that was happening and I was trying to watch and be present with my family. So, Bodhi's definition of curse period is this. It is now over. We're moving on to... I don't know. I was thinking about... I liked... I reading your bulletin, Zach, last night in the stretch run. I was, like, you know, we're kind of like we are in the, like the last quarter of the season, maybe. Um, and then there's like a little bit of a afterburn of like the post World World Series. But like, yeah, I feel like we this is a big we like we, this is a huge block and it's over and it's been uh, pretty good. But that's my definition of curse period. It's like a month long.
2: Yeah, we have we have belt, we have the Nationals. Uh we have the random French World Cup that we always forget about. And then we have Hugerheide, which is when we like overinterpret it to get ready for worlds. So I feel like it's a very set set schedule going in into worlds here with that random French World Cup. It always seems to be in France. That always seems to be that World Cup in France, uh during that one weird week between nationals and Hugerheide. So um So Holst, the women. So I I, I mean like at the start of this this race in in Holst, I feel like you know Puck Petersa superstar. You know, I mean, she's been doing great things, but she doesn't have that dub yet. I mean, Van Anroy won you twenty three euros, Vosh won Overisa, Fem Van Ample won Val de Soleil. She's out in the cold. I, it looked like she was just like whatever. She had a good start. She's like, I'm just going for it. Like this is going to be my race. And you know what? Frankly, in the old era, she might have won if this was only a forty minute race. She might have won, uh, but it seemed like Lucinda Brand just had this, like, timed perfectly. I mean, Peterson has been known to fade. Like, she started, like, for example, at Coke Side, she was out front with Batsuma, faded. You knew she was done. Like, she just doesn't have the full 50 in her yet. And it seemed like Brand knew that because she was – Brand was even sitting in in the group. When do you ever see Brand sit in? Like, she was just like, whatever. And then with, like, two laps to go, she's like, okay, now it's time for me to, to, to catch up. I, it was a very interesting tactical race. Uh, from Brand Brandon, it seems like once she's, once like Plan A got activated, it was just like, okay, yeah, we we know what's going to happen here.
0: Holst, so Holst move. Holst is a moving event. <laughs> <laughs> they seem to have two two different venues that they use. They they have the windmill venue, which we were at this time, and then they have their downtown type venue that's going to be the world's venue, which is a little less exciting Mm. uh the city venue but i guess it it fits more people i can having now been there in person to the windmill version i can see where you may want to have world somewhere else because (laughs) getting around that course with no people there just like i was talking about with erendahl's was not easy it was basically i i i I honestly I i was straight off the plane was in this haze and i'm sitting there looking across this lake at the windmill and watching riders appear there and i'm just like how the hell did you get over there (laughs) it's like it just it just seemed like they just appeared on the other side and then uh thankfully uh ethan glading showed up and and sort of helped helped me figure it out and basically the the help was don't worry about the finish if you don't have to, because you're not going to get back there in time. You know, it's it's an investment to get to one side of the course for the other. But that that being said, what you're saying is uh, exactly right with uh, with Brand um, Zach, and I I think part of it may be that she. I don't want this to sound like wrong because I think that she's a, a great champion and as a, a great bike racer, but she seems like she's more confident as sort of the world champion in that she can sit on, in that she has that confidence that she knows how to win these races. You know, we are talking about where, you know, you wrote how she needed, she wanted to be out front. That's where she was comfortable and she said as much, but I think maybe now she's even playing with the idea of how else can I game this? What other situations do I need to be in? And it was the type of race that she did not have the same, time pressure on her that she had in the most recent race in herentals which was a completely different story which was great to watch it that will get to where she was not concerned about anybody else in the field she was just concerned about the clock and it was pretty cool to watch but this one yeah i think it was it was tactical it was she was like calm
1: and collected and just able to 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 do her thing i wanted this is maybe a time to bring this up but i was listening to um the abby mickey's podcast free willing she did it she recorded an interview with brand and so i haven't it's like first time i ever like her interview with brand and one thing we sort of talked about is like you know is brand a technical like gifted technical writer and you know she's gotten better but you know she's known for a road power one thing i thought was pretty insightful and maybe sort of plays out to these tactics is that she's like yeah i'm just that much stronger that like I don't, I'm not in the red, like I'm not making decisions where like I'm out of oxygen in the brain. And so like, I might not be as talented in the technical stuff as Celine, but my heart rate is lower. And so I can get through it and not make mistakes. And I thought that was a really interesting insight and in sort of like how like her own assessment of her skills. Oh, that's interesting. It seems like she's less mistake prone
2: too. I mean, I think that yeah. we could always just highlight, Oh, Listen to brand made another mistake, but she recovered from it because she's so strong. It seems like she's not uh, making those mistakes. So yeah, that is a a good point. Uh, I guess I want to Bill, I'm glad you brought up the course. I think we talked about with the World Cup going to 15, 16, 15, 16 races, that there were gonna be some real duds uh, on the schedule. But I mean, I think this one's like over ice. So like, I I mean, this was normally a February race and we all know my opinion about February races. I'm a terrible person, but I don't watch them. I've never seen this course. Like this was a great course. Like bring this back. Like let's have races here. I mean, at a medieval fort, like steep run-ups like great downhill descents beautiful i mean the photos were incredible i mean you had to work to take a shitty photo at that venue i I mean with the backdrop and and bill your stuff was great i mean your stuff excelled but man it was just like watch look at the photos i'm like i really wish i was there like as a photographer like just so much to work with what a great venue and i'm so glad that like these races are world cups
0: the the one thing that I, i i have this this um the standard for is this a hard run up? And the standard is always if you can touch the ground with your hand and you're not falling over, then <laughs> it's a steep run up. And that was definitely this where you could get your balance with your offhand while carrying your bike. It was so freaking steep. I mean that that's and you just I, I know you hear it all the time oh you don't you don't really get to see you know a how fast they're going until you see them live you don't get to see how gnarly the course is until you see them live you don't get to see how big the run-ups are that that never has been more true seeing this in 3d it was just insane and the drops were just I, they were like down you know without the without the rocks they they're, they're like downhill grades I mean it's just straight freaking down and you know, if you get it wrong, you're you're in the drink. It's just uh, just really, really, really impressive, yeah. I and mean, just a just a super fun course.
1: Yeah, I was just trying to think like what what we don't really have. We're not an old enough country to really have a venue that's comparable to Holst. But just the idea that they're like this is a medieval fort city. Yes, let's run a cyclocross race on it. When we know how Americans you know, NIMBYs react to their heritage trees. I was just trying to think of, like, I'm here in New Orleans, you know, this city is around 300 years old. We actually have a few forts um, within the, the parish lines that you can't go to, and they're in brick ruins. And I was just trying to imagine, like, what, what, what would be comparable in the States to, like, having a venue like Holst?
2: First, Michael, I think you should propose the Battle of New Orleans. I think you should propose to put a cross race on the battlefield from 1815 for the battle of new Orleans, Uh, you know, the, the flat field, you have to storm over the hail bales or whatever it was. You know, they built like those parapets that you had to like storm over. That could be like the run up of like trying to, you know, charge
1: the American that would just be totally crass. And I'm sure that wouldn't fly. Everybody that listens to the show from New Orleans is like, yes, yes, Zach. That we've all been there. You can ride your bike around that field. It is flat as you can imagine, but there is a bike path around. I've always thought, could we throw a circuit race crit there? Maybe. You know, I know some folks in the Saint Bernard Parish, so maybe, maybe, maybe we'll do that. Man, I'm just loving the
2: amount of, of history that I'm able to, to bring into this. Like, I don't know. Here in Minneapolis, we have Fort Snelling. It's a beautiful venue. It's kind of like at the, uh, it's at where, I think it's where the Minnesota and the Mississippi meet. So it's at this very high position. It's a tough climb. It's on my group ride. There's a bike path up there. You could throw a steep climb in. You could ride around. Maybe we could do a Fort Snelling cross. I don't know. It'd be a
0: it'd be a wonderful world's venue or even World Cup because it's two minutes from the airport
2: <laughs> exactly <laughs> everyone would be so excited uh, but yeah no that's an that's an excellent point Michael and I think that um yeah hustle is great like I, I I think it's one of those venues that it's really neat to see uh elevated
0: I guess we should we should point out in case people haven't watched it the riders got to not only ride near a windmill they ran uh raced through the windmill you know which brought up those great miniature golf go- uh jokes which were completely j- legit but yeah just just crazy and and just just not to not to harp too long but i am going to on on the run-up remember hartford and how they had to because of the snow they had to close because they'd sent people straight down in hartford for a while and then they kind of rerouted after oh, that. after
2: the run the the slip and slide the the viral video slip and yeah, slide after
0: the slip and slide yeah this was steeper oh
2: <laughs> yeah yeah i just
0: oh ridiculous. great photos you could like, take the photo up. of
2: just the wall of like rider just like going straight down of like the i mean just pretty wild
0: yeah there's th- some of them you see the, some of those photos and if you don't get the the context you just think that they're it it's flat but yeah it's, anyway okay um well, should we, should we talk should we talk about uh the men's race mechanical wout
1: yeah right so so there was a streak going on and so i i don't know if i brought this up in the podcast but if a bike rider wins on your birthday they are your favorite rider of the year and so in my household the bissenheimer household Wout won on my birthday in September, the Tour of Britain. And so January 2nd is not only Bill's birthday, happy belated, but my girlfriend Emily's birthday. So we were, we're kind of a Wout household. She was pretty excited that we could share the, 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 have the same favorite writer and he didn't do it. So, I mean, with, with Worlds, he, Wout said to me, so Shimano caused this, right? Are we? Are can we just blame yeah. them? Yeah,
3: let's blame
0: Shimano. Yeah, we are a SRAM fam over here. Can, can I tell you one, one of the funny things about not watching it live, or I mean, not watching it on TV, but be, but being there? I was set up at this uh, to for the start of the race. I was set up at this little off camber before they headed up uh, to the to the windmill, and they start streaming through and they keep coming through and they keep coming through and i was like did Welch just come out here to pre-ride was because i didn't go to the start so i didn't i didn't see them line up because as i was saying it was just hard to get from one place to another so i had my spot and i was like why isn't he racing he's he's not racing and then like 30 riders 40 riders go through and i was like oh this isn't good so i didn't even see any any of the incident
2: yeah well, I and kudos to him. It was on like a narrow section. He had the decency to pull himself out of the section. Like I don't know, just a little wow, you know, like his awareness of what was going on. He just casually went to the top of the off camber and uh went to fix his bike. But yeah, he was uh I think he was with Matt Lelleveld of Canada, was finally the rider that he slotted slotted in with.
0: Zach. Zach. This is actually something that I I'm glad you talked about the the start here because I uh want to bring up with you because this goes into your (laughs) running commentary of, of beginning of race starts. And I think that they listened to you. I think that they heard what Zach was saying about making starts, not having that log jam right away. So they said, okay, we have our planks within the first 30 seconds of this race. They basically come off the start, they make a turn, and then they have to go over the planks. Zach's not going to like this. It's going to cause issues. We're taking the planks out for lap one. I noticed that. Oh, and they did. So, so yeah. So the plank, they rerouted around the planks for lap one. And then not a half a second later, was just this huge log Oh my god! Like that, that sent thing- Them into this very <laughs> small, <laughs> forty-five degree turn into an off camper. And I was like, "All right, maybe." May- kudos on maybe even the planks would have slowed it down some where it would have not made the thing that happened a second later that much worse
2: i mean that's a that's a challenging one right because i've established apparently isn't this developing theory that i don't care what happens to the scrub zone and the leaders got through fine so it wasn't it you know the first 16 riders but uh you know my god like um yeah, I was uh, I was texting with someone who was caught up in the scrubs, and I'm like, "How long were you?" He's standing for they're like thirty seconds. Like I think I saw like uh, it might have been Jules or Sam Brown, Jules Van Camp, but like literally dead last, just standing. Like I'm like, "Wow, that's that sucks." And I, you're already on a back foot. You've already got you know. We can talk about how Pickcock and Ailey just went to the whip and you're screwed. Your race is going to be 20 minutes long. Like you can't afford to give up a minute of standing time. Like, right? (laughs) Like, I don't know. Just kind of, kind of tough, but yeah, no love for the scrub zone on that feature, but uh, it did not really affect the front. And that's, I think more where I guess where I get irked, but yeah, tough times for the scrub zone.
1: I didn't really know that you could change the course like that. You could add a feature in the course. I feel like that really opens up the options, and also could make things really crazy. Like you could take that pinwheel, and then you could just reroute it the other way the next time.
0: Well, I think on the it's it kind of like a like a start lap in mountain biking. I mean, you're allowed to have a prologue in gotcha. Cross. so the same okay. type of thing. You could have had you could have had a prologue that then entered after. <laughs> The the
2: plan. So I have a funny story on this, just because like we're telling funny trek stories. So there was one year the the race used to start. uh, You know how there's that turn like uh, the big sweeping right hand turn. So that's how the race was supposed to go. And then in the subsequent laps, you went just kind of straight down Trek Factory Hill. This one year, so it's basically you started, you swept. Then lap two, you'd go down the you know down the finish straight that we know, and then you'd go straight down Trek Factory Hill the back way. (laughs) Someone forgot to replace put the gate. And so there was a master's field that went straight down Trek Factory Hill 30 seconds into the race, and it was a disaster. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, I mean, I guess you could do this for a World Cup, but when you're doing it for an event that has like 70 million races like Trek Factory, there was another year where they went down on the backside by the run-up. They got routed down a a ride-up or something. It's just like a train wreck because people forgot to replace the gates. So, if you're going to do this, make sure that you replace the gates. So it could have been interesting. They could have screwed it up and left the barriers open, and then things would have been interesting. And maybe so. Maybe with that off camber, you skip it in lap one. You put a release valve. You just instead of you know going to the left and back to the right, you just put a release valve. You go straight through, and maybe that's a way to include. We're on to something, Bill. You can include features like that, but you just take them out of lap one like i'm totally okay with that like take it out of lap one and then when things separate it's a great feature that's a great part of the course uh, boom solved i mean that was my solution that was my solution for
0: I, or at least my compromise for what we saw in wheaton that they they had enough ground to do that right they could have just when you're coming to the sand they just could have
2: come to the left Ooh, of it, skip the pit and left one bypass it Uh, Yeah, skip the point lap one. I'm adding this to my theory. Continue, and then everybody's... Lap one release valve. Yeah, lap two, no
1: problem with the sand. Like, great, great feature. Lap one? No, because... No, we needed the sand at Chicago because Bill made that awesome video about two, ma- two minutes of Zen and you had all the people in the sand. The well, I'm one, okay so. with it in the single speed race. The single speed race
2: doesn't count. Like that's for <laughs> fun. That's for the spectators. <laughs> you are oh, wow. you are a, a monkey dancing on stage for us, the spectators, when they you're in the single speed stars race. Stars and
1: Stripes jerseys at that race, buddy. Yeah, well, whatever. That- okay, fine. <laughs> But
2: you're there if you're in the single speed race, you're on stage, you're dancing for us, you're putting on a good show. This is my theory of why the single speed race needs to be longer. Problem solved. Okay. Uh, uh- back to hosts. Here's my question for you all. In the, in the men's
0: race, we sort of saw this and we've seen it after that as well, is Pidcock Easerbeat, beat still a rivalry? <laughs>
1: While Zach looks up some stats, I will say yes, maybe in Easerbeat's mind, maybe not so much in Pitcock's mind. Yeah, I think we've all been there
0: when we're when when somebody's in a competition with us that we don't know we're in. Right. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: Um, <laughs> uh, This is an excellent question. Uh, Easerbeat has finished ahead of Pitcock one time this season. I mean dating back to dating back to Havre of last year when Pitcock started doing his thing, Easerbeats finished ahead of him once.
0: Oof. Yeah, so we were talking about the big 3 and then I think rightfully so after Vanderpool wasn't looking great and Pitcock wasn't able to really stick with wow, we were talking about you know the the king and the two princes and but I think since that time, if anything, you know, Wout obviously just continued to get stronger and be more impressive. But I also think that unlike Ezerbeet and the the, the rest of that field who has been racing since October, he and is just and, and they are fine tuned now, if not a little tired, he definitely seemed to need a couple races to to get back into cross fitness and technical and everything else. And now he seems like he is just um on 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 a level that the rest of that that field can't Are you talking catch. about Pitcock? I am talking about Pitcock.
2: Yeah, and he did the same thing last year. I think I mean he did have the race at hover, but he was kind of like not getting the best results. We're like, we were so excited about this. And then, you know, he's low key as as curse period went on, he was just turning in these like seconds and thirds consistently and we're like if you pull away, and the same thing happened this year tough race at Bohm. You take away Dendermondo, which, <laughs> spoiler alert, was not a Tom Pickcock course. Every other race, he's been first, second, or third. You know, he's been pretty consistent uh, up there with the exception of, you know, his first race and Dendermondo, which, you know, unfortunately for him, Fayetteville could be very similar to Dendermondo, and all of this could not matter. And I guess we'll cover that uh, down the road. But I think you're right. I think Pickock's riding into form. He's clearly uh, better. Uh, on a better level than Easerbeat and yeah I, I don't know if it's a rivalry I think, I, I, I think Ailey has some work to do to make it a rivalry if he still thinks that it's a rivalry although I would love I mean I would go for a great battle I would go for a great battle between the two of them at Worlds I think that would be amazing um, and I would totally take that but I don't know if it's going to happen because I don't know if it's a course that suits both of them but we'll do that when we get to Worlds and we start looking at weather reports and other such things
1: Right, so I mean, speaking about Ellie, um, Ellie. So Holst is World Cup. He's seemingly locked that down, I believe. Yeah, I was right. Yeah, yeah, he won it. He's done. He won that. He, you know, like you said, that was his goal in the beginning. He's probably like you also said, thinking, "Wow, okay, how can I find fitness in what three, four weeks?" Um, is interesting to see him at Arental's. Kind of, did he, I don't know if he like shut it down, but that's an X two O race uh, midweek Belgian Nationals this week uh, this weekend. So it's like, and he's he's not um, he's not winning that series, is he? No, Totone is winning the X two O series time based. Ellie is four minutes back. Wednesday, Arantals. He sort of, I felt like he shut it down to get ready for Nationals. Um, I'm curious if that's also like shut it down. Because I gotta, I gotta cram for worlds as well.
0: If we're if we're leaving Holst, and I, I agree with what you're saying there, Michael. I think the 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 one thing that we need to note before we leave the men's race for Holst is that uh, when Elizabeth was on, she did take some time to talk about you know some some shout outs for the bigs and <laughs> and make making it onto the 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 Dendermonda, uh, Uh, podium this 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 was definitely a a a revenge race for the not bigs with the uh (laughs) with with the pitcock easer beat lars vanderhaar podium i think somebody up there did the math and this was the shortest world cup podium ever so congratulations to those
1: three yeah didn't someone was it pitcock or vanderhaar was like world record holders I don't know. Yeah, so this is this like funny. is this both men's and women's?
2: I, I'd be I, I mean I maybe you could get like a, a Pavla Havlikova, Katie Keo, and Anna K podium that would probably be shorter, but I mean like brands I, I don't know if Bra- Voss is tall, brand is tall. Katie Compton, when she was—I mean, she was five four. She's taller than Pidcock, and like taller than some of these. I'd be curious if it was both men's and women's. That's that is a good. Okay,
0: we we have a lot of stats people who listen to us, so that's a good. That's a good one for somebody to track down. I, I know that people are trying to figure out the the tallest. Elite men's podium, but I think that that's that. This is the out of the box thinking we need, Zach. That's great. I, I I'd like to
2: know. I mean, tall. Like to you've to got Wout, Machu, and Toner all pretty tall. I mean, I, I would just yeah I, I mean, I don't know. I would just hypothesize that there's a good chance that it would be these those three gentlemen, and they've done it like a million times. But I think they were talking like Stibar. Or there were some other guys up there as well. Okay, and for the height. Did so Tribone ever get on a uh, Euro podium to kind of like juke the stats? <laughs> All right. Anyway, moving on to Herentals. We had our... Hold on. We got to talk about Leafs for a second. I mean, I okay. went there after all.
1: Yeah, no. Let's. I, I want to talk... Uh, <laughs> shout out. Speaking of Elizabeth, she... Listening to the... It wasn't was on our usual channels. And so like, it was on Sporza. And so if you could find a feed, it was all in Dutch. And Elizabeth clued me into the fact that this was a race started by a bunch of friends who decided to start a race after being at a race and having a good time so i thought that was really interesting i was curious that these were folks who have never promoted race before just like strictly just like rookies Uh, like i want to know so much more about this it seems like a great film this idea like it's like we bought a zoo like we bought a cross race like like i'm into it i want to hear more
0: It's definitely grassroots. It's, it's this small little parcel of land. They seem to, I mean, for the two times I've been there, they have reconfigured it dramatically. It was another, again, another example of, we're not going to have any spectators here so we can just like figure out different stuff. So they had this weird off camera thing and they brought in um, some pre-made whoops for a rhythm section and, which was fine, but that was all where the VIP section used to be. So they were like, well, we got all this extra land now. And they moved the start out of the neighborhood into this like industrial area so they could crowd control it. And, this is one of these things, and, and I've always, I've, I know I've said it before, where I, I, I like the racing, the fans are great, but I don't think that spectators make or break a race. I, I may be changing that now after going to Gulahem for a second time. Oh, just quick note. I used to say hulahem because that was the one guy that I met who kept kept um, correcting me on site, and then the announcer says Goulehem, so... This whole thing about mispronouncing names, there are so many freaking dialects here <laughs> that I, I, I can't win. I'm just going to be wrong. Big, dumb American. I'm wrong. I'm sorry. That's, so that aside, Goulehem was amazing in 2019 i think it was Wout's second race back the buzz the fans it was jam-packed it was like seven deep along the the sand pit they had this amazing setup where they would have the fencing and then they would have sort of a you know what we're used to sort of the stakes and tape uh for cyclocross about a meter inside of the fencing and it was this little secret corridor for photographers to sort of run up and down the course which was so cool so you could just get to wherever you wanted and you didn't have to fight through this enormous crowd and this was like the biggest belgian party that i had been to because it was such a small course and it was just jam-packed with people there was polka bands benny was playing in the dj tent it was it was awesome this version was kind of just low key and the racing was it was raining. the course isn't very exciting. it's just it's it's when you think of like Belgian cow field, like you came away smelling like you had been in a Belgian cow field after this race, and it was just like ankle deep mud in a lot of places and just a slog and the racing wasn't as exciting and hey, Sharon van Enroy got her first elite win in Belgium, so that was. Pretty awesome for her. She completely crushed everybody. Uh, uh, Magli Rochette, second place. Great result for her. Zoe Bagstead on the elite podium. Awesome result for her as well. If we jump over to the men's side, we got Tom Pitcock easily winning this race. I think kind of after a while, just um, just mailing it in. I think he, he, he knew he had this one uh, set and wasn't too concerned about it. All right, guys, give me all you know about Juren Juren uh Weisher in second place, the Torman's rider who previously got like maybe a top thirty in uh in a um in an elite race, and you know, top ten, top fifteen in the the U twenty three taking advantage of the situation second place in an uh elite c2 in belgium not bad you know beating out our, our man q in third
1: yeah i thought that was q who got second i mean i sort of like was watching it sort of off the side and, and didn't realize that actually wasn't quentin herman's more anonymous than q you asked
2: uh here's everything that i know about this guy all right that was a fun discussion <laughs> Maybe one to
0: watch. Maybe this is maybe maybe in coming years we'll be like, oh yeah, that was that kid that that uh, came in second, the Pitcock at Gulham. So everybody just keep that fact in the back of your head. All right, I think now we can move on to, to
2: Wout Cross, the Wout, um, Wout Cross hometown. I like this course. I'm really excited that they added this course. Uh, this was a gem uh, last year. I mean, I it, it's never had spectators, so we'll see how it is if it ever has spectators. <laughs> Knock on wood, but. I don't know. I think this is really gem of a venue uh, that they found with the ski slope and just those gnarly descents and the really uh, one thing I I wish kind of they would have routed like maybe three quarters of the way on the the track, the running track, and then just doubled back just for like the sheer fun of like... (laughs) an eight lane wide portion of cyclocross on a running track uh i thought that was really cool but i love this course i think it's a great balanced course it's got the technical part it's got some you know it just rides well uh muddy a little bit drier this year i don't know i i Bill, really, you were there i i like this course
1: i just wanted to say that i'd learned it was a ski slope like that's crazy to me. Like, I mean, it doesn't, it just, it seems there's a ski slope in Belgium somewhere. Yeah. That's what I heard uh, in the broadcast. There's, that's like, there's one I heard in the s- south guess. of
2: Minneapolis. There's no hills around here, but somehow there's a ski hill, like, south of Minneapolis. Yeah, a like little, bunny, little hill. Like, bunny hill. Like, I don't know how it's even there, okay. but it's there.
1: Yeah. Interesting. It seems like a lot of trees really close together for a <laughs> That is true. I, I did note <laughs> so, that, so... it's.
0: I, it's, it's, I, there's no clearing there anywhere unless there, there's a ski slope on the other side of it. So maybe, maybe it just looks like a ski slope. I don't Maybe know. 100 uh, I a hundred years ago.
1: Maybe it's decommissioned. and <laughs> Those
0: trees have grown we, up. We, 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 we do get the opportunity for all of the analogies to come crashing together when we talk about uh cyclocross as it, it's just like steeplechase, but you carry the horse and all that kind of stuff where they are actually riding on a steeplechase course you know except the human one so that's that's fun you had it was just all of these great cyclocross things you had steeplechase you had riders and you had duck right there just all lined up in that one little section uh the 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 venue part zach is is really interesting because where the pits are that whole section is like a separate venue i walked over there first and i'm like this is not that exciting of a course. I don't understand it. It's pretty flat. There are these little whoop section over here. There's some planks over here. There's a little itty bitty tiny sand pit that they built over here. But other than that, it's nothing exceptional. And then you just like walk down this farm road and you know, which the the track was to the left of, and then there's just this. In Belgium, I guess you'd consider it a mountain, like in the in the middle of this field. And it's kind of crazy because it's like, you know, it's it's a lollipop course or a barbell course. You know, so you have to you have to like venture out on your bike, you know, up to the 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 course to the mountain part, and then you come down, and then you come down this farm road all the way back to the other the other section of it. It was like we have this venue and we have this venue, and then they just kind of tied them together. So yeah, I, I agree. It would be really interesting to see where they would put fans and how they would they would
2: establish all of that but as a as a uh, pandemic course it works out really really well yeah i mean that's one of the things that we, we, we always struggle with, right? Like if there's no fans, like sometimes you can make a great course. That's great for riders. Cause they don't care if they're going to one end of the world and back. It's just, and I don't even know if fans really care that much. I think it's mostly us, the photographers, if we're, if we're being really honest, especially in Belgium, cause as a fan, you're probably just going to the Hill. You're just going to hang out on the Hill or something. You're just going to go to your one spot. And you don't necessarily see the whole course. And if you play it right, you can watch the rest of the race on TV.
0: Well, that's the thing. I think I think even more than that, a lot of in Belgium, they wouldn't go to the hill. They would just be in the field where the beer and the frites and everything is and the disco tent and stay there and then just watch it on TV and then cheer for the rider as they rode by, like on the one boring part that they're all congregated around. Uh, the the one funny thing about this, not funny, uh, that you no know, fans were allowed in this venue and just because of how it was set up, like I was talking about, like it's kind of sprawling. There's one section and another section. There was absolutely no way, as much as they tried to fence off this whole venue to keep fans out. So at one point during the men's race, and this only happened during the men's race, I'm on the hill and I look down, and there's like 75 people around the turn the, the little muddy turn right after the the second descent and Wout comes down there and it's like this deafening roar of people cheering for Wout, and i'm like holy cow where where did these spectators come from what happened and it was just families i mean it was just all these little kids running around and and mom and dad and then the police came over and they marched over there, and they asked them for their wristbands, and of course, none of them had them because they just walked through the woods from their houses, I'm assumed, and and they all got kicked out, and then, then they all just walked back across the field and vanished into the trees. It was just like one lap. Wout got this wave of appreciation, and off they
1: went. Did they really exist, or did you? Was that just a Belgian fever dream, Bill?
0: It, you know, it was a fifty fifty chance, so one or the other. So should we talk about the racing? Is that what the uh women's race? I mean what what we have I to was I guess
2: here? I was having um you know, we've talked about uh Denise Denise Betzema and uh, like my numbers. Guys, Denise Betsema has finished second or third thirty-four times in the last two seasons. Thirty four times. Um uh, yeah, you know, she's won four races this year. She won eight last year, but, I, you know, I think as we've established, like, she and that I, I, might be sacrilege, because I know of people's feelings about these two riders, is Denise batsima the new Kevin Powell's?
3: Hmm.
0: Wow. Interesting. Very interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I said it last week, and I I actually said this before I would read your bulletin post, like, this has been the Brandon Betsema show, and New guest star for her rentals was sorry, I just had the results. Was worse, Anna Marie Wait, wait, back the, back new that, so. the new star, the new star. I mean, just the
2: son cons- like you're not gonna son Sana- Like, when is right. the last time that son Sana- and because she, she, I think she had one other fourth at Ruder Vorda. And I just, we didn't watch that race, I think, because it was like way too early in the season. But like, when's the last time Sonic Kant was competing for a podium, right? Because you know, I think she finished fourth, but it'd be like, oh, like a minute behind third. Like she was in the mix, and save like uh you know that one really botching her remount at the top of that uh, ski slope hill. Uh, she looked great. I, you know she played it super well. She had two mechanicals. She was in third. mechan dropped a chain. She had to stop. She came back. Was with a uh, statement and worst, and then it was just Kant versus Worst. Uh, and I don't know. Do you think do you think Sanna will get a podium before the end of the year? She's been racing well lately. Yeah,
1: she's gonna oh, win right. Belgian Nats. Yeah.
2: Like I'm looking forward to <laughs> I'm looking forward to next week just doing the stats on here's what the world looked like the last time that Sonic Kant was not Belgian national champion. I hope she wins again so we can do that that exercise. Um yeah, so I guess back to my point though. I guess with Butsma, I was thinking about back to worlds. We're like, you know, the way she was racing last year, we're like, oh, destined to win worlds at some point think we're really seeing some limitations at least this year in her ability to to win like she has like nothing to win I just just thinking back to worlds how upset she was that she did not win worlds last year I was like oh don't worry about it you'll get it eventually and I don't know I mean there's always next year but she's not getting younger and it just seems like maybe that was a missed opportunity for her last year at worlds because (laughs) right you've got brand brand will get old but then you've got like the whole next generation of riders and you've got a bunch of kids. And then there's, there's kids after that. There's the new kid that they have. Who's winning all the junior women's races by like a minute and a half, uh, you know, who's Dutch. And it's just like, maybe she missed her shot. I maybe mean, it was the, uh, it was the M and M corollary. Uh, she had her one shot and instead she was puking mom's spaghetti or whatever. I don't know, but uh, uh, just so many seconds and thirds.
0: I think the most exciting race, in, on the women's side this at the beginning of erenthal's denise Betsamo was winning the x2o series by what was uh 49 50 51 52 seconds 51 or 52 seconds and when lucinda brand at the end of that race you could see her. I was. You could see her going down the long stretch that farm road, and then making that left turn for home after coming off of of the, the the slope. I had to check the board three times to make sure that there still wasn't one lap to go, because she was going harder than I think she went all race. Like her chin was on her stem. It was like nose to stem, and she was just cranking out the watts. There, there was no, I, I, I mentioned when I was at the finish line, I was, I mentioned I was like, I really hope there's not a sprint finish because the, the gate was like, the end of the the, the, the landing zone was really yeah. short from the time that you crossed the finish to having to make the right turn. So it would have been bad news for riders and photographers if there was sprint finish, but she did about as close to a sprint finish as we could get. And I think her goal was to win the x20 series or at least take the lead from betsema in that race and she missed it by two seconds so she is now two seconds behind betsema she erased a 50 plus second lead just in that race which is i mean i think that goes into what what you're saying zach about betsema's performance maybe dwindling or brand just continuing to get faster because this was like I'm going to catch you. I'm going to catch you now. And she almost. Yeah.
2: And she, I think she had a flat too in the last lap that definitely cost her a little bit of time, but still like, I mean, she just, she tried to go out hard and brand was just like, I'm going to shut this down immediately. Uh, you know, and then just passed her. And it just seems like, you know, I I haven't necessarily seen where she has the ability to, to close out a race and to, to finish, to finish strong. So, um, men's side. Wow. He, he won pretty easily. (laughs) Uh I think Tone Arts was said was Tone was a tone who said like oh Watts good legs are back. <laughs> and it's like I don't know if they were ever gone. I think it was more the fact that his chain fell off, but uh anyway, Tone seems resigned to not winning uh Belgian nationals, but at least at a plus side, he can have a more positive attitude going into the world championships cuz he'll be one of the race favorites. So
0: Well, he he also did the same thing that brand was doing i just look there are three we have three uh L races left in the season so there's still a lot of time to make up time so i think that it is you know every it's it's what michael i think you've always said about the time series it's it's or i think you made the point too zach is like you still have to race you know you can't just hang out and go okay well i'm second i'll get my points and 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 be done with it it's you still have to race so they're still racing the end of this race like tone knew he wasn't winning that race yet he still same thing was just crushing it at the end, uh coming in after Pitcock. I think he was actually closing down on Pitcock down so I don't think Pitcock really cares about the X2O series. He's he's out of it. And you know, he just he shut down a gap that I think was ten or eleven seconds to Pitcock and and was like pretty much on his wheel at the end, not to try to get second place, although he would have taken it just to continue to grow that lead over ailey because as we know anything can happen and there are three races left so so it is sort of interesting where you see you see a different dynamic from folks that maybe are winning with no chance of losing or even people who have no chance of winning yet are still like racing their hearts out because there's there's bigger fish to fry with the series
1: yeah and then you know maybe he didn't have the ghost of heart because ellie shut it down um I, I have to go to work because we were recording on, in the morning. and uh, I also have to go to I work. But I want to make one point before we leave, one last note. I want to give a shout-out to fellow podcaster, uh, silver medal silver Metal winner at DuPage County, uh, Curtis White, who has been the best North American uh, man uh, in Europe this year. And you're kind of seeing just, you know, maybe this is where that that year in europe last year is really helping and that he sort of has the process dialed and is able to sort of just like get in there and uh be present and race like really well and done a good job so i just want to give a shout out he i think he got hit he a really good result at her rentals what he got 12th place so strong ride for curtis um also sam gaze 14th forgot that he was um racing cross okay That's all I got, guys. All right.
2: Let's do it. We got Nationals coming up this weekend. We have no idea how we're going to watch them. Hopefully, we can find some sort of pirated uh, stream for that. And then uh, it's the stretch run. The pennant chase. It's September for October.
0: I think we did it. We'll see you next time. And uh, hang in there, kids.
1: I'll be back for Worlds.